We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. We're inching closer to the NFL draft, and we're going to continue our draft coverage today, specifically by looking at the Packers' top 30 visits and the players that they've brought in for their pre-draft visits up until this point. They brought in 26 players. This used to be a topic that I never even discussed or went over because for the most part, especially under Ted Thompson, even early under Brian Gutekinds, these didn't mean a whole heck of a lot. They would use these, and, and they still use these at sometimes to maybe recruit some undrafted free agent type players. But the top guys in the draft, either they wouldn't bring in or they didn't really actually have interest in drafting those players. For the longest time, it was almost like if you had a player in for a pre-draft visit, you could just take that player off of Green Bay's board going into the draft because it seemed like they never actually ended up with those type of players. However, that changed quite a bit last season. Before I get there, if you're not familiar, 
a, a pre-draft visit or a top 30 visit, the Packers can bring up to 30 prospects into their facilities for a further evaluation and a more in-depth look at a prospect. So they are allowed 30 of those prior to the draft. So far, Green Bay has used 26 of those. And why I say things have changed more recently, last year, there were 29 reported visits, at least the ones that we knew about. I'm sure they probably did 30, but we knew about 29 of them. These were some of the players that they brought in during their visit just last season. Tariq Carpenter, Devontae Wyatt, Samore Toure, Christian Watson, Rashid Walker, Romeo Dobbs, and a player you may not know as much about, but Gene DeLance, who they brought in as a practice squad player at the end of last year and is still on the roster. So that's Carpenter, Wyatt, Toure, Watson, Rashid Walker, Romeo Dobbs, and Gene DeLance. Seven players of the 29 that we know they brought in a season ago are currently on their roster. Six of them they drafted, including a first rounder in Devontae Wyatt and a second rounder, early second, who they moved up to get in Christian Watson. So this has been something last year that they utilized to take a really good look at players that they were extremely interested in and actually ended up drafting or again, acquiring later in the year in Gene Delance's case. Uh, to their roster. And again, seven of the 29 that we had reported, basically about one in four were are now on the roster, which is absolutely crazy. So if you almost look at that it, with the, you know, 26 players that we know right now, you know, you can almost pencil in four or five of those guys as potential members of the Green Bay Packers this upcoming season in some capacity. Now, as far as why a team would bring a player in for a pre-draft visit, there are a variety of reasons in doing so. The first could be to get a medical update. Either they didn't get enough of an update you know, at the, the combine or at the pro day, or they want to do a check-in. You know, Hendon Hooker, who we'll talk about more in just a moment, is a player that they brought in for a visit. That very easily could just be a medical update. They want to see how he's recovering from that torn ACL, how he's progressing, will he be able to play this year, those sort of things that could be very important in their evaluation of Hendon Hooker. So a lot of times it can just be a medical check. Another time it could be a board buster. They brought in three of the top tight ends, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, and um, Michael Mayer in their pre-draft visits this year. We'll go over all of these in just a moment, but that easily could be a situation where they like all three tight ends and they want to really get all three in the facility and get, you know, sort of a hands-on, like, let's look at all of them in person really close up. And obviously they've seen all of these guys, but when you bring them into the facility, it just feels a little bit different and you want to see, all right, which one of these guys feels like a Green Bay Packer. Green Bay might have the ability to take the top tight end in this year's draft. All three of these guys could potentially go around one, they might just want to eye all three of them up and say, all right, what, you know, we have a feel for which one we think is best, but maybe let's get all three in the facility and really let this, you know, sort of sort itself out and really get a great feel for which one we feel is going to be the best member of the Green Bay Packers. So it could be a legitimate board buster where you've got guys stacked evenly and you want to try to separate those things out. That could be a reason that you bring these guys in. A character evaluation could be another one. Maybe you got a bit of a sour taste in your mouth after an interview at the combine or at a pro day, and you want to bring the player back in to see, all right, does that check out? Or, you know, maybe do we just catch the guy on the wrong day? Something like that. Uh, it could be that, you know, you had your character evaluation filled out and then something additional happened. You know, Darnell Wright, who the Packers brought in, he had the weird interaction online with a, um, I don't know if it was a reporter or a draft analyst or what it was, but he 
went aggressively in the DMs of that draft analyst or reporter, whoever it was, and in it's sort of an odd way. And I, that may have happened after the Packers had brought down all right. And I don't know the timeline there, but theoretically you could say like, all right, maybe we need to do a little bit more background work on a specific player. Let's bring them in for a visit. That's a reason you could do it. It could legitimately be subterfuge, meaning let's say Green Bay has no real like want or desire to take a tight end in round one. I don't know that that's the case. It could be the case. It might not be the case, but let's say they have no real desire to take a tight end round one. By bringing in Darnell Washington and Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid, as well as three other tight ends, you're giving off the impression, some real huge tight end vibes that you are very likely, or at least potentially thinking of taking a tight end round one. You might say, well, does it really matter if other teams think that the Packers are going to take a tight end in round one? It could. And the re- like you could say, you know, if, if you're giving off all those vibes that the Packers are going to take a tight end round one and they really didn't have interest in doing so, maybe if you can leak enough stuff out there that they're really interested in Dalton Kincaid, something that's been actually out there that they're really interested in Michael Mayer, something that's been out there. If that's the case, maybe, just maybe, a team trades up in front of Green Bay to take one of those tight ends and Green Bay had no interest in taking them anyway. And now you have one player off your board, one more player off your board that you weren't interested in taking, and maybe one more player on your board that actually you were interested in taking. So it's not to say necessarily that this actually works out the way that you're expecting, but a lot of times teams will use these sort of visits and leak information and show interest to just give off a vibe. And sometimes that can actually end up working out in your favor. So that's another reason teams can do it. Another one, as I mentioned, is your undrafted free agent recruiting. So as soon as the draft ends, actually before the draft ends, as, as day three starts kicking off, teams are constantly in contact with prospects that they think are going to go undrafted. And they start recruiting these players and they start trying to make their pitches and how much they're going to give in a signing bonus to get them to their team. And it is a mad dash. Like all of a sudden you go from draft over to like the teams are going to sign like 20, 25 undrafted free agents to fill out their 90 man rosters. Now imagine that's like 20, 25 guys split amongst 32 teams. There is a mad dash to try to get these free agents in your building and to try to make them members of your team before some other team signs them as an undrafted free agent. And one of the best ways to make it so that your team stands out is by having them in for a pre-draft visit by saying like, Hey, you've seen our facility. You know what we're about. You've met with our coaches. You know, you've done all of that. Like you haven't done that with other teams. We actually showed a legitimate interest in you, brought you in for a pre-draft visit. And it doesn't always work out, but a lot of times that can go a long way in undrafted, you know, free agents making their decision. Sometimes you might have eight to 10 teams that are vying for your service after the draft. And what are you going to do? You might go with the one that sticks out to you, the one that actually brought you in and showed interest in you, real legitimate interest in the process and brought you in for a 30, you know, top 30 visit. Teams can, teams only have 30 of those. So if you're an undrafted guy and a team brought you in for a visit, that's a pretty big deal. And that can go a long way, as I, as I mentioned, with players as they're making their decision of what teams they're going to go with as undrafted free agents. So that is a sort of recruiting tool that teams can use and Green Bay has used in the past. And then lastly, it can legitimately be you know, just a check on a candidate that they have a ton of interest in. It could be that they have a ton of interest in Michael Mayer and they have all the intentions of the world of picking him at pick 15, but they just wanted to bring him in and do one more check and have one more handshake and meet with the coaches just to do that final, 
you know, all-inclusive wrap of that player. They've already done the medical checks and the evals and the scouts have talked to him and the scouts have seen him. They've seen him live. They've seen him in person. They've studied the tape. They've got everything they need, every box check that they need, but they just want to have that one last final put the ribbon and bow on the present and say, all right, we just want to make sure that this is still the guy that we thought that we've talked to all along through this process. And it can legitimately be that as well. So there's a variety of reasons that teams may use these visits. All of them are legitimate and all of them could be the case with the 26 players that Green Bay has brought in so far. And by the way, it's possible they've brought in 30 guys so far and we just haven't heard about the other four. But as of right now, we know of 26 that they've actually brought in. And really quickly, it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. Just because a team doesn't bring a player in for a pre-draft visit doesn't mean that they're not insanely interested in a player. In fact, a team might not want to tip their hand that they are interested in a player. So let's say Green Bay is extremely interested in Broderick Jones and like that's their guy. By not bringing him in, like you're not tipping your hand that you're super interested in Broderick Jones. And maybe teams aren't thinking Green Bay's interested in him. And maybe a team, again, picking at pick 16, 17, 18, isn't thinking that Green Bay is going to pick Broderick Jones. They're thinking that Green Bay is going to pick one of their those three tight ends because of the interest they showed. So they may be less likely to trade up ahead of Green Bay to go get Broderick Jones, which means he falls to Green Bay at 15 and they can actually go out and select their guy. So again, it should go without saying, but just because they don't bring a guy in for a visit, of course, doesn't necessarily mean that they're not interested. In fact, there have been on numerous, numerous occasions where a player will be asked on the day that they're drafted or the next day when they actually interview with the media and they're asked like, hey, did Green Bay show interest in you? And they are like, no, I had no idea that Green Bay had any interest in me whatsoever. And a lot of times that's because Green Bay knew they had extreme interest and they didn't want to tip their hand to anyone that they could potentially be interested in that player. So again, that's just another piece of the process that all goes into this crazy draft you know, um, you know, period where every team's trying to lie and not show their hand and and be a little bit secretive. As I mentioned, though, these pre-draft visits have meant something, and especially this past year with all the guys that they got. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So that being said, here are the players that Green Bay has brought in for pre-draft visits so far, and I'm going to go position by position. Starting at quarterback, they brought in both Hendon Hooker and Sean Clifford, two players I discussed the other day in our quarterbacks episode. At running back, Keaton Mitchell, Evan Hull, and Lou Nichols III. At wide receiver, Dontavian Wicks, Cole Tucker, Rasheed Rice, and Ryan Miller. Tight end, Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, Josh Wiley, and Ben Sims. Offensive tackle, Darnell Wright. Interior offensive lineman, Antonio Mafi. Defensive lineman, Adetawama, Adeboware, and Jaqueline Roy. Edge, Will McDonald, Felix Anadike Uzama, and Keon White. Linebacker, Marte Mapu, who's making the transition from safety. Corner, Tyreek Stevenson. Safety slash slot, uh, Jertavius Martin and Jamie Robinson. And then true safety, Jordan Howden. If you're counting along at home, that is two quarterbacks, three running backs, four wide receivers, five tight ends, one offensive tackle, one interior offensive lineman, two defensive linemen, three edge rushers, one linebacker, one corner, and three safeties. So they've certainly brought in a broad range of players at a variety of different positions with tight end leading the way and wide receiver following it with four. That should not be a surprise to anyone with the current depth chart at tight end and wide receiver. You're sort of breaking it down by where these players are expected to be selected. At, in the first round, you'd potentially be looking at Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, Darnell Wright, and maybe Keon White. That could be another possibility. That was an interesting one. He was invited to the draft. I don't know that a lot of people were expecting that. If you're invited to the draft, that usually means you're a pretty solid lock to go in the first round. I think a lot of people had some early second round to mid second round grades on Keon White. I know um, Daniel Jeremiah was very high on him, had him uh, really, I think he had him in the top 10 early in the process. I think he's brought him down a little bit more, but uh, that could be an interesting sneaky player that Green Bay has a lot of interest in. So keep an eye on that one. In the second round, Hendon Hooker, Will McDonald, Felix Anadike Uzama, and Edetawama Adeboware. I think all those are probably more second round players. In the third round, Rasheed Rice, Tyreek Stevenson, Quan Martin, and Jamie Robinson. In the fourth, Dontavian Wicks and Marte Mapu. In the fifth, Keaton Mitchell, Josh Wiley, and Jaqueline Roy. In the sixth, Evan Hull, Antonio, uh, Antonio Mafi. And then in the seventh, Jordan Howden, an undrafted free agent, Sean Clifford, Lou Nichols, Cole Tucker, Ryan Miller, and Ben Sims. I think that's probably where you're looking at each of these players to go. So not only did you have a variety of positions that Green Bay was interested in, you had a variety of players throughout the draft, meaning that they could theoretically get maybe one of these guys almost in every single round of the draft as well. And then you look at like, are these classic Green Bay types? Hendon Hooker, we don't know exactly because he didn't do the testing. Sean Clifford had a 9.04 RAS score, and he fits everything that Green Bay is looking for athletically at quarterback. Keaton Mitchell, only a 6.18 RAS score, but had a 91st percentile vertical jump, a 93rd percentile broad jump, a 98th percentile 40-yard dash. Really, the only thing he doesn't hit what they usually look for at running backs is the weight. Um, so that, but overall, still a speed back that hits kind of a lot of their thresholds. Evan Hall, 9.32 RAS. And as Jacob Morley likes to say, a tier one Packers running back for what they usually like to look for. Lou Nichols III uh, didn't do a lot of the testing, so we don't know if he's going to actually fit their profile or not. Dontavian Wicks, a 9.17 RAS score. Again, as Jacob Morley would say, a tier one Packers wide receiver. Rasheed Rice, 9.53 tier one Packers wide receiver. Everything that they look for. Cole Tucker, 4.41 RAS score. 
interestingly enough, uh, he was slightly off on the weight and slightly off on the 40-yard dash, but a lot of the other things they generally look for, he actually does hit. Ryan Miller, 6.97 RAS score, hits size 40 and three cone, which are three of the big th- you know things that they look for there. Michael Mayer is a tier one tight end with a 7.66 RAS score. Dalton Kincaid, we don't know because he didn't do testing. Darnell Washington, a 9.88 RAS score. And again, hits everything Green Bay looks for at tight end. Josh Wiley, 8.98 RAS score. Everything Green Bay looks for at tight end. Uh, Ben Sims, 8.39 RAS score. Darnell Wright, 9.68 and then um, again, everything that they look for. Antonio Mafi did not do testing. That very possible that they brought him in for a medical check. At a Tawama, at a Boare, 9.72 RAS score as a defensive lineman. Uh, as a yeah, as a defensive lineman, 9.88 as an edge rusher. Again, he is very much the prototypical Packers edge rusher slash defensive lineman. Jaqueline Roy, 3.73 RAS score only. Doesn't really fit their threshold. So that one could be a little bit of subterfuge or maybe they just wanted to do a little bit more research on him. Will McDonald, 9.67 RAS score, but well below their normal weight thresholds. Felix Anadike Uzama, 8.73, but also a little bit below their weight thresholds. Uh, That's going to be an interesting one. Also didn't do all the testing. Uh, Keon White, 9.55 RAS score. Didn't quite meet their usual broad jump score and is 24 years old, but hits absolutely everything else. Marte Mapu did not do testing, so that could be another player that they wanted to bring in to do a medical check on, see how he's doing. Tyreek Stevenson, 8.94, slightly out of their three-cone testing, but not by by much. And certainly as you get into day two, day three of the draft, you can start compromising a little bit of those and not being so strict and stringent on some of your thresholds. Jatavius Martin, 9.29 RAS score, just slightly under 200 pounds, which is what they look for, but probably not enough to scare them off. Jamie Robinson, 6.06 RAS score, below height, below weight, below broad jump, and slightly below uh, their normal, just general threshold. So not sure he'll totally be in play. And then Jordan Howden, 8.87 RAS score, slightly below the broad jump, but overall hits everything that they look for as well. So many, many, many Packer types, high RAS scores, extreme athletes. These are the types of players that the Packers generally type or like to look for and usually take in the draft with a few, you know, small, I guess, uh, you know, just uh, outliers here or there, specifically with Jaqual and Roy with a 3.73 RAS, you know, Keaton Mitchell a little bit off, Cole Tucker a little bit off. But overall, like I said, almost every single one of these guys is coming either darn close or almost exactly hit Green Bay's thresholds at each of these positions. Uh, Hendon Hooker, we talked about the other day, second round prospect, starting caliber quarterback, but going to be 26 years old this upcoming season, which is crazy. Uh, He's older than Jordan Love, torn ACL, still a developmental prospect. He could go round one, which means Green Bay would have no shot at him because they're not going to take him at 15. And I think even in round two, it's going to be a little bit steep for them. So probably not the the uh, player that they're actually looking at. I think with Hendon Hooker, you're probably looking at a medical check and you're just dotting all your I's and crossing your T's. Because what if all of a sudden Hendon Hooker falls to round three or round four? You know, th- there were quarterbacks just last year that fell a lot farther than I think a lot of people expected them to. So, it, you know, it's not all of the question. All of a sudden, one of these guys falls. You don't want to be caught not having all of the information that you need to make an educated decision. So, 
probably Hendon Hooker just, you know, kind of doing some due diligence in case he would fall to a position that they would actually consider taking him. Sean Clifford, I think is a key undrafted free agent possibility. If they go out and draft two quarterbacks, probably not interesting Clifford. I think he maybe could sneak into that seventh round range and Green Bay could potentially be interested in selecting him there, especially if they haven't drafted a quarterback yet at that point, but more likely probably an undrafted free agent guy that they're probably doing a little bit of recruiting for before he actually hits undrafted free agency. Keaton Mitchell, speed back, 4-3-7-40, led college football in 10-plus yard runs. A little bit on the, um, you, you know, not going to be an inside-the-tackle guy, but I think he brings enough explosiveness. Playmaking could be maybe a little bit of a, a kick returner as well. Could be somebody that Green Bay's interested in. Evan Hull, like I said, hits all of Green Bay's thresholds at running back, is everything that they look for, catches the ball well, fantastic athleticism, does struggle as a blocker though, so that could leave a little bit to be desired there, but that's something that you hope you can teach up over time. Very much think that Green Bay is probably interested in him. Lou Nichols, 5'10", 220-pound power back with 3,000-plus college rushing yards, and as of this moment, he's still only 21 years old, will turn 22 this summer, but uh, probably more of an undrafted guy that they potentially could be interested in. Dontavian Wicks, raw wide receiver with all the tools, did take a step back in a new offense last year. That could be a key reason why they want to bring him in is just to kind of see how he reacts, give him some stuff to do on the whiteboard, see if he's going to be able to pick up this Matt LaFleur offense. Those are all things that you bring players in for for tests or for you know further evaluation. I think that's a key reason why they may have brought him in. Rasheed Rice. 96 catches, 1,355 yards, 10 touchdowns, 14.1 yard average this past year. Lacks the top end speed, but makes up for a lot of it in RAC or run after catch. I think he could very much be on Green Bay's board, probably in that third-ish round range would be my guess. Cole Tucker, I'm not even going to pretend that I know a bunch about Cole Tucker. I will tell you, he was the 225th ranked player on Dane Brugler's board. No, not the 225th overall player on Dane Brugler's board, the 225th wide receiver that he had graded or ranked on on his entire list. 225th at wide receiver. So this is a far back of the list wide receiver prospect who, if Green Bay is showing interest in, is probably going to end up in Green Bay as an undrafted free agent. Let's just put it that way. So I would expect to see Cole Tucker as a undrafted free agent. If you were a betting person, uh, put some money on that happening after the draft. Ryan Miller, an interesting H-back type of player that I could see Matt LaFleur wanting to take a look at in undrafted free agency. We've gone over Mayer and Kincaid and Darnell Washington in great detail, so I'm not going to do that here, but three top-tier tight ends that could very much be in play for the Packers. I will say this as well. I think there's a good chance that if Green Bay likes all three of these tight ends and they confirm that by bringing them in for visits, I think it's possible that let's say you're at 15 and all three are on the board, which is probably expected, and they like all three of them. Maybe they go from 15 to 20 and they get to 20 and maybe two of them are still on the board. So they go from 20 to 23 and they get to 23 and two of them are still on the board. Maybe now they trade back to 25 and now one of them's on the board. And in the meantime, you pick up a bunch of third and fourth round picks or you know, maybe you get a second rounder along the way, who knows, but you know, maybe you can actually pick up some additional picks, get a tight end that you had interested in at pick 15. Instead, you get them at pick 26 and you pick up some additional draft capital along the way. That could be another reason you bring all of these tight ends in is to say like, hey, maybe there's not actually a differentiator and we would rather have the third guy at pick 28 than the first guy at pick 15 and pick up a bunch of stuff along the way. So that's another reason they could have brought in these tight ends. Josh Wiley, rotational tight end, never had more than 353 yards in a season, but does have 
have all the athletic traits that Green Bay tends to look for. Ben Sims lacks any real discernible breakout upside trait, but probably tops out as a number three tight end. Interesting player, not bad, not great, but you know, like I said, probably is a number three tight end slash special teams guy. Darnell Wright, everything Green Bay looks for, starting offensive tackle, probably day one at right tackle. He He's a stud. He's an absolute stud. Would be a great pick at pick 15. Antonio Maffi went from rugby to defensive line to guard. He's raw, but he's physical, probably doing a little bit of a medical check on him as well. Adeboare is all over the draft board. He is a freak athlete, but never really lived up to it in college. Sincerely, watch for him for Green Bay in round two. I think there's a extremely, extremely good chance that Green Bay is super interested in Adeboare in round two if he is available. So put a little flag on that one. Uh, Jaqueline Roy looks the part, but is kind of an undersized defensive lineman who is a more of a run stopper than a pass. Like, I don't know. He's a weird one to evaluate and he doesn't fit Green Bay's thresholds. I don't think he's actually in play for them, but that's a little bit of an interesting one. Will McDonald and Felix Anaduse Uzama, both of them phenomenal edge rushers, know how to hunt a quarterback, held up better at the point of attack than you would ever expect based on their sizes, but they're both uh, a little bit undersized for what Green Bay likes, especially Will McDonald. I don't necessarily think either are in play. If one of them are, it's probably Anaduse Uzama, um, but they're both really fun pass rushers. And if Green Bay wanted to go into a different direction and bring more of a speed guy in, I think both of those guys could certainly be in play. Keon White, as mentioned, hits everything that Green Bay looks for and I think could be a sneaky pick for Green Bay in round one, especially if they maybe move down from like 15 to like 20 to 22. Keep a very strong eye on Keon White. Marte Mapu is probably going to make a transition from safety to linebacker, be a core special teamer, and be a matchup piece on defense. Green Bay's tried to do that in the past with Oren Burks. Hasn't always worked out the best. They've done some Raven Green stuff. I think this could be another project for them that kind of makes that safety to linebacker transition. Uh, Tariq Stevenson, more of a press man corner on the outside. Not sure he fits Green Bay right now, but again, you start getting into the third round and you just take talented players and you figure out the puzzle pieces later. Jartavius Martin, slot corner slash safety, phenomenal athleticism. I think he is going to be a real legitimate option for them at safety in round three. Jamie Robinson, slot safety as well. Doesn't really totally fit Green Bay's type, but um, I could see why they wanted to do some work on him. And the safety class just isn't that strong. And at some point they probably need to take one. So maybe Jamie Robinson, they like something more on tape than they saw in the actual athletic testing. That's always possible. And then Jordan Howden tested really well, probably a day three safety core special teamer. My issue is like Green Bay has like seven of these guys that are not starting caliber safeties. They're like fourth, fifth tier safeties and our core special teamers, like Green Bay's whole roster is filled with those guys. So yeah, they like those guys, but they already have a ton. So I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense. If I were to take away all of the Sutterfuge and all of the stuff, I think these are the players that Green Bay could actually be interested in round by round. If you know, we can take out some of the ones that are probably more medical checks, the Hendon hookers and things like that. These are the ones that I think are real options. In the first round, Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Wright, and Keon White. I think those five are real options for them in round one. In round two, Darnell Washington, if he's still there, Keon White, if he would still somehow be there, Adetawame Adeboware, and Rasheed Rice. I think all of those could be in play in round two. In the third round, Rasheed Rice, if he's still there, Quan Martin and Dontavian Wicks, I think could all be in play in round three, although Wicks would be probably a little bit, probably a little rich in round three. Uh, Dontavian Wicks in round four and Marte Mapu in round four. I think those could be in play. 
In the fifth round, Keaton Mitchell and Josh Wiley. In the sixth, Evan Hull. In the seventh, Sean Clifford and Ben Sims. And undrafted free agents, Sean Clifford, Lou Nichols, Cole Tucker, Ryan Miller, and Ben Sims. Probably more your medical check guys, Hendon Hooker, Antonio Maffi, and Marte Mapu. That is going to do it for me today with all of these pre-draft visits. We still don't know four of the guys, so maybe that comes out in the next couple days as well, but some really fun prospects on this list of 26. I think all of them could potentially be in play for Green Bay. And as we saw just a season ago, don't rule any of these guys out. There is a real legitimate shot that Brian Gutekinds and company are very interested in more than a handful of names on this list. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll see you right back here tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.